Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue, and we're coming to you from the campus of Middle Tennessee State University in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. During Dr. Martha Norkunas's public history class in the spring 2019 semester, doctoral student Hunter Moore conducted research on the music and musicians of the Spanish-speaking churches in Murfreesboro. He attended several congregations rehearsing with and interviewing one group at St. Rose of Lima Catholic Church. He made a podcast of his experiences as part of his project. We'll explore the sounds of Latino church music after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. MTSU's online master's degree in supply chain management has been ranked nationally for affordability. Online U, a Washington-based company that provides rankings for a variety of online educational programs, placed the university's program at number 15 in its 2020 list of top 25 online master's degrees in supply chain management. Administered through the Jones College's Department of Management, MTSU's Master of Science in Management with a Supply Chain Management Concentration teaches students the ins and outs of how consumer goods flow from the stage of raw materials to finished product delivered to their final destinations. The graduate program enhances students' planning, communication, and ethical decision-making skills and exposes them to real-world experiences. And MTSU police officers are now using cruise lights while on patrol. The lights will be solid, non-flashing blue lights mounted to the roof of patrol cars. Community members should be aware that they are not required to pull over or stop for a police vehicle that is only displaying cruise lights. Flashing emergency lights and audible sirens and or horns are a signal for motorists to pull to the right side of the road. Major Jason Morton noted that officers remain on campus 24 hours a day and are prepared to respond to emergencies and render assistance when needed. MTSU has reduced on-campus staff to essential personnel. However, hundreds of students remain on campus in housing facilities. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Hunter, welcome. Thank you for being with us. Great, Jenna. It's great to be here with you. Why did you choose this particular subject? In general, because I'm interested in music and I'm a musician. I was a professional musician uh, before coming to MTSU in my career. I have a general interest in music in a variety of areas. And as I was exploring the what subject I would pursue in my public history seminar, the idea of looking into the music of the local Latino, Latina population appealed to me in conversation with Dr. Norkunas. She's had students uh, in the past pursue uh, research and exploration of different uh, ethnic groups within Murfreesboro, part of what public history is, is to explore and tell the story of people who are underrepresented. Uh, one of her classroom groups did a study on the ethnic groceries in Murfreesboro in a, in a previous class. And so to build on that, I decided to 
explore the music of the Spanish-speaking population in Murfreesboro. You've said that the best place to find Latino music was in the churches here. Are there no other local venues where Latinos perform? I don't see a lot of festivals or Latino-generated or Latino-oriented regular concerts. Are there uh, secular opportunities for them as well as uh, uh, church opportunities? Well, that's a very interesting question because that was my initial intention was to find music that was being performed either in uh, secular venues, clubs, or even in homes or some kind of social organization. And as I began to ask questions, I would go into um, uh, groceries that serve Spanish-speaking people or restaurants. And and the repeated answer that I got was that the churches were the best place to look, that people were too busy uh, to perform music in other places, uh, working sometimes multiple jobs. And so if I wanted to find music in the Spanish-speaking community, that the churches were the best place to look. And, and pretty quickly, I think the very first church that uh, my questions led to was St. Rose of Lima Catholic Church. But you looked at uh, other churches, too. How many were there? There were some Catholic and some Baptist. Correct. There was a, a variety, as you can imagine. I think in the uh, according to the 2019 U.S. Census, there are 9,000 Spanish-speaking people in uh, origin is from the countries of Mexico or Central America, South America, the Caribbean. And so as I asked around, there was no central directory for these churches. Like you could look up, I tried to find one and uh, there wasn't. And so the way that I tried to find churches was by asking questions or just driving around in the areas where generally more of those people live in Murfreesboro. So I was able to find nine churches. I mean, this was a short study, just two months, mm -hmm. about nine churches. I visited five, but one person told me there were over 20. Uh, and so they're more out there than the ones that I was able to find and to attend. But there, there is a variety. I attended, obviously, St. Rose of Lima Catholic Church, but I also attended two Baptist congregations and uh, also a non-denominational, more charismatic, independent congregation. There are Anglo churches, if you'll forgive that oh, appellation, oh. that have Spanish language services for Latinos, uh, do they count as part of the overall picture? Absolutely. Two of the, uh, the um, St. Rose was the largest congregation, uh, but at above Franklin Road Baptist and at Trinity Baptist, or Third Baptist, actually, they both have uh, long-lasting um, or they've uh, congregations, Spanish-speaking congregations within those churches those pastors are on the staff, but they have their own separate services, sometimes meeting at the same time as the English-speaking congregation, in the case of Franklin Road Baptist. But at Third Baptist, they have their own service after the um, English-speaking congregation. But those are well-established groups at those churches and supported by the um, English-speaking church that's there.
do the Latino musicians and singers perform uh, at all at the English-speaking uh, congregational services? That's a good question, and I don't know the answer to that question. I was just going to the Spanish-speaking services, and I was interested in those. So the musicians that I observed or talked to all were in the, the Spanish mm -hmm. services. Now, you mentioned uh, Mexico and the Central American countries. Uh, you may be aware that Anglos around here frequently do not differentiate among different Spanish-speaking cultures, sure. calling them all Mexicans. Mm -hmm. uh, can you separate the types of music according to culture and nationality for us and differentiate uh, among them? What are the some of the differences you've noticed? Well, the, I would say the majority are from uh, originally from Mexico, the Spanish-speaking people here, but there's a wide variety from um, Honduras to Guatemala to uh, Cuba, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, people that come here from those places are very proud of where they come from and and uh, and, and and recognize that as part of who they are. And so the music, you're right, is different uh, depending on where you come from. There's similarities, but I'm not a musicologist, so I can't break it down for you as much. And some of the Trends and styles are uh, you would find, for example, in Guatemala, one of the one of the praise bands or choruses at St. Rose is completely from Guatemala originally, and their band looks and sounds very different. Some of the kinds of music they play, cumbria, merengue, bachata, those all those trends all affected people in Mexico, too. Uh, and so you can't just say you, you can only find this in Guatemala or you can. But it was interesting because one of the musicians at St. Rose is from Guatemala, plays in the in the group that's all Guatemalan. And he played with one of the musicians that was in uh, the other band I played that's primarily, the musicians are mixed from different places, uh, but uh, the, the uh, husband and wife, Pablo and Laura Morales, uh, who lead the Los Angeles de Dios at St. Rosa from Mexico. And so the musician from Guatemala was playing with Pablo in a band for a while that was playing outside the church. And he was told, no, don't play it like you play it in Guatemala. Now, they weren't playing church music. They were playing just songs at clubs. But it's like, you know, that won't work because we're playing this kind of music. So there is a separation, a difference that, that the people from these countries are very aware of the differences. And you're right, as English speakers from the United States, it's easy for us just to lump everybody into one big category. The musicians themselves, however, uh, can hear the nuances uh, in the differences between the styles. And absolutely. And then, and then just like people around the world, musicians have been affected by muse, pop music from the United States. And even if they didn't know the words Michael Jackson was singing, they liked the feeling and the beat. And so there's a, 
a common influence of music from the English-speaking pop world that's influenced everybody out there. We'll take a break here. We'll be back. This is MTSU on the Record. The Experiential Learning Scholars Program at MTSU gives students a chance to go outside the classroom and obtain hands-on experience in their chosen fields of study. They'll have the opportunity to give something back to the community through service learning as they gain acceptance for graduate study. Students should be able to select EXL-designated courses from major requirements and general studies requirements to complete the 16 to 18 hours of EXL coursework. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Women in Science and Engineering, or WISE, helps college women prepare for and become involved in science-related careers. WISE nurtures women's interest in these fascinating and critical fields and provides mentoring and networking opportunities. The group's main goal is to assure women of their importance in all scientific and technical fields and to promote equal opportunity and treatment of women in science. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, WISE Advisor. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Hunter Moore is our guest. He's a doctoral student here who has focused on Latino music in the churches of Murfreesboro, Tennessee, as part of a project for his pursuit of a history degree. What led you to focus on St. Rose in particular? Well, it was the first church I heard about, and it was also, it was the first one I visited, so I didn't have anything to compare it with initially. But as I visited other churches, I realized that St. Rose had a really rich musical culture there because they had three individual choirs or bands playing for two of the bands alternated for the main weekly service, and then a third band played for the Tuesday night service. So they had a bunch of music and a bunch of musicians going there, and initial contact I made there just through the church office put me in touch with the uh, with Pablo and Laura Morales and Los Angeles de Dios. And so I had an open door there. They made me feel very welcome. I, I attended a church service, went up and introduced myself afterwards. They invited me to come to a rehearsal. I ultimately performed with them actually in a Sunday service. And uh, so I had a, a very open door there. So with a short time I had, I only had a couple of months, I dove in. And you have particular musical talents of your own. Have you been a session musician in Nashville for a long time? My background's primarily as a songwriter in terms of my professional career, but I grew up playing in bands in the 1960s uh, in high school, then came to Nashville to go to college, played in clubs around Nashville at that time in, a, in like an acoustic duo playing covers and just beginning to play some original music, and then came to Nashville, back to Nashville. I left for a little while and uh, worked on Music Row as a staff songwriter at several publishing companies, had recordings by some of the major country artists, and then pursued a career as a singer-songwriter traveling around the U.S. and in Europe playing in folk clubs. But I've always had uh, an interest in learning in general and went back to school, got a master's in 2014, and I applied and received a Fulbright grant to go to Trinidad and study Calypso music in 2017. And so learning about other people's 
approaches to music and how it's done in other places has always been interesting to me. So when I learned about this program, the PhD in public history, it was a natural for me to combine. I was a history undergraduate to combine my interest in history and music and to study it further. Just guitar or do you play other instruments as Gu- well? Guitar and piano, really. And I never was a, a lead player. I was always a rhythm player accompanying my vocals and So I learned enough that I could write songs and perform them live. That was basically it. So you're you're a singer in the sense that Paul Williams is a singer. He's a singer songwriter, but he's not really a singer. Well, I'm a better singer than Paul Williams. (laughs) He sounds like a frog. He does. (laughs) (laughs) And a better singer, but not as good a songwriter. I'll say that. And a better singer than Burt Bacharach, but not as good a a songwriter. So you better watch what you say about Paul Williams. He's the head of ASCAP, you know. Oh, well, I'm BMI, so I'm not too worried. Do you expect people to be surprised that you found a wealth of Latino music in Murfreesboro, Tennessee? I think, yes. And and that was one of the, the purposes for this. I think that a lot of times the ethnic and cultural minorities in any community are going to be kind of underneath the radar of what people generally see here every day and that they're underappreciated for that reason, that there's a whole rich life, whole rich world, in this case, a cultural and musical world that people aren't aware of. Why? How would they be? Like you said, there's really no venue for it. And that's in part why I'm here today, just to say, hey, there's this really great world here that is below the surface that I'd like you to know about. Were you uh, at all interested in religious music in particular yourself before you started exploring the churches? Well, I actually was a worship leader in my own church. And so when I became a Christian in my 20s or late 20s and started going to church, it was natural that my music would fit somewhere, and my wife and I ended up being in a worship band and and occasionally leading that when it was kind of in between leaders. And so I knew a lot of songs, had learned a lot of songs, and it's interesting going into these churches because I'll hear songs that I sang in English or still sing in English coming at me in Spanish in a different arrangement, but it's still familiar to me. Don't you think most people who are part of church congregations would rather hear live music performed right there in front of them than to uh, have these splendiferous sound systems of pre-recorded <laughs> music like you have in the mega churches? Well, I think that um, now, to be honest, I haven't been to many mega churches because I'm not in one now. And I, I, when I go, I go to my church. So I don't know how much audience participation there is in those churches. I have a feeling there are people standing on their feet singing along with whatever they're hearing from the stage. So it's participatory in that way. You know, I think live music is always better, but people singing to a church organ is is live music. But I can tell that people uh, in these services I've been attending, it means a lot to them to perform in the service. And and it's clearly important to the people in the pews what they're doing. And they've told me that. The musicians told me that, that they have people coming to them frequently saying, you know, thank you. You know, I feel connected. This reminds me of home. So it's really important in the in the congregations. How would you rate yourself as a Spanish speaker? Fluent, conversational, or what? Muy poco, pero aprendiendo. I'm learning. Very little, but I'm learning. And, uh, and I, I did... Uh, study Spanish in high school. And then I went to uh, Mexico for a summer while I was in high school and lived with a family in Mexico City. So, and I have a good ear as a musician in terms of picking up 
accents and how to pronounce words. I'm really learning. Most of the Spanish-speaking people that I know, their English is way better than my Spanish. But you are fluent as a musician, and sometimes that transcends everything. That helps a lot, that, that we may not be able to talk fluently, but when we start playing music, we're communicating in a nonverbal way, and so that makes it easy. Time for another break. We'll return in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Middle East Center at MTSU seeks to promote greater understanding of the politics, history, and culture of this vitally important region of the world. Its mission includes the promotion of outreach programs and faculty research. The center sponsors lectures by Middle East experts and scholarly exchanges. We're especially pleased to offer a new interdisciplinary minor in Middle East studies with courses in Arabic and Hebrew. This is Dr. Alan Hibbard, Center Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Our guest is Hunter Moore, who is a doctoral student here in the Public History Program. And uh, for one of his projects for class, he has uh, recorded a podcast based on his work with Latino musicians performing in churches in the Murfreesboro area. Just from your podcast, I can hear even as a layperson that I am, some of these musicians are good enough to be recording artists themselves. Do any of them aspire to that? Well, actually, uh, yes, I would say that, or either aspire or had aspired at some uh, aspired at some time in the past. Grew up wanting to do music professionally, and for one reason or another, it just didn't work out. But you're right, good enough. I mean, really good musicians. And uh, I just met a couple at St. Rose who were new in the choir that had been part of a traveling worship band in the U.S. and performed professionally doing that for uh, I don't know how long. But so, yes, you do have people that either are good enough or aspired to in these bands. To perform strictly religious music or secular music as well? I think in the case of the people who had toured, that was strictly worship music. And uh, But in, in terms of, I know Pablo... Uh, in uh, at at St. Rosa Lima had aspirations to be, uh, you know, a successful singer at one point, uh, and in the secular sense. If somebody offered him money to play acoustic guitar at a local club, he wouldn't turn it down. That's very possible. You'd have to ask him. Okay. <laughs> you mentioned your being at the uh, University of Trinidad and Tobago, mm-hmm. and uh, you taught. The Nashville number system mm-hmm. down there. Mm-hmm. What What is the Nashville number system and how does it work? Well, the Nashville number system is a shorthand for music uh, notation that was developed in the Nashville recording studios starting in the 1950s. And it's basically instead of writing down the names of chords like D or C or F minor or whatever, you're writing down a one, two or a three for those chords and the uh, whatever key it's in, that's going to be the one chord. And it's just really quick. And once you have written those down in terms of numbers, then you can automatically say, well, let's do a version in D. Now, D is the one chord. So you don't have to write the chart all over again. 
So in Nashville studios, when you're either doing a demo session that's not going to be released or in a master session that will be, generally the musicians are all gathered around at the beginning of the session listening to the song being played either live or with a recording, and they're all writing down the numbers. And then the leader of the session will go through after they go through one time and say, just check it. Okay, did everybody have four measures of three here? And, uh, you know, so but it's so fast. It's just really quick. And so I took that uh, system down to uh, Trinidad and Tobago to teach music students down there that it could be uh, an alternative to trying to have to write down the chords and then rewrite the chords when you're going to do it in a new key. Have you tried to teach it to folks in the Latino churches? No, I haven't tried to do that yet. That's an interesting uh, that's an interesting idea that might be fun to do. I think one of the things about it, whether you chose to use it or not, or you decided that your old way of doing it was faster than trying to use a new system, is it gets you to think about the structure of songs. And, it, and when you're writing these down, to do it efficiently, you have to condense. So you have to say, oh, this part of the song happens four times. Then I'll just put it here in this little section and put repeats on it. But look how it works. It works this way and that way. And it's really easy to see that when you're doing it in numbers, where in doing it the other way, it's not as obvious. I suppose it also helps people who don't read music, who play by ear. Absolutely. And a lot of the great players don't read music very well. And so, uh, you know, they, they're improvising, but they have to have a basis to improvise. They have to know what everybody else is playing at the same time. But this is enough. It's just based on chords that they don't have to be able to read standard notation. What do you see in your future after you complete your doctorate? Well, that's a good question because I just, this is typical for me. I'll start something just because it seems like a great idea. And I, and then it, a lot of times it goes in places that I didn't predict. Like the master's that I finished in 2014, I took a course in the history of the Caribbean. In that course was a person that said I should apply for a Fulbright or made me aware of the possibility. That took me to Trinidad. It's also where I found out about this program. So I, I think really the process is the thing for me, the people that I meet, the projects. I couldn't have foreseen this project uh, doing this music in Murfreesboro. I don't could that might turn out to be my dissertation. So I think it's just involving me in a very rich situation in terms of possibilities. And I'm not sure uh, where those possibilities will lead. I know that I'm more interested in short-term commitments, more like speaking and writing than I am in a, in a career at this point in my life. Okay. Uh, if people want to know more about what you have learned about the music uh, of the Latino cultures in Murfreesboro churches, how do they get in touch with you? Well, they can email me for sure. Is that okay if I give my email sure. address? Go ahead. Okay. Well, my last name is spelled M-O-O-R-E. So it's M-O-O-R-E-J Hunter, all one word, no periods in there, at gmail.com. Hunter, thank you for being our guest. Thank you. I appreciate it, Jenna. The music in this edition of MTSU on the Record was performed by worshipers at churches documented in Hunter Moore's research and was graciously provided by Hunter Moore for use in this broadcast. We'll be right back. The Middle Tennessee State University Women's Studies Research Series features compelling monthly talks on gender-related topics by faculty and graduate students. The series offers a chance to learn about research in progress and to chat with faculty in an informal setting. 
All lectures are free and open to the public and are held on the MTSU campus. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Jimmy Hart has the middle moment. MTSU's famous chocolate milk from its on-campus creamery came to the rescue recently for a local school system. Murfreesboro City Schools faced a brief shortage for its mobile